0: All right, as I promised this morning, we're going to be giving a very special message for Father's Day. And I'm so thankful that you're here because uh, this is a message. It's a very unusual Father's Day message. In fact, what we're going to examine is one of the hardest Father's Day stories, probably, that exists in Scripture. And it's very touching. uh, It's an amazing story. Uh, Not a story. It's an account of what really took place with the Heavenly Father. And uh, I trust we'll all be motivated by it, encouraged by it. And folks, if you're here this morning and uh, you doubt the Father's love, when we go through this amazing account of what happened in uh, Mark chapter 14, I I can't help. It's a very, very moving, touching, powerful uh, account that we'll look at. So if you have a Bible and like to uh, turn that we're we're going to go to Mark chapter 14 uh, this morning. And as I like to say, we, uh, here we go through the, the Word of God. We only teach from the Bible. We give some illustrations and so forth to try and uh, help us understand what the Word of God is saying. But the Word of God is sufficient and uh, everything we need is in it. So uh, we like to, of course, center on God's Word and peel it, if you will, one passage at a time. All right, I'm, uh, Nick, I'm I'm pushing the slides, but they're not showing up here, so you may have to come up here and uh, reconfigure something for me. I'm on next slide, oh, the other way. There we go. Um, yeah, if you wanna come up, don't worry about it and uh, get this PowerPoint moving in the right direction. So what we're gonna do this morning, we're going to be talking about Return the Father's Love. If you look on the screen, the particular uh, uh, little carved out niche, if you will, this is actually in Jerusalem and there's a church in the Garden of Gethsemane, which I've been to multiple times, and you go around the side of the church and start walking towards the back, and this is carved out inside of the actual wall that where it is. And it's a picture uh, depicting Jesus actually praying. And the reason we're looking at that is we're in, thank you, we're in the Garden of Gethsemane, And this is the culminating moment for the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to be facing the most horrific challenge of his entire ministry. So it's a good reminder of exactly what's taking place. There we go. All right, so a couple of questions for you as we develop the concept this morning. So when you think of your father, and every one of us has a father, right? When you think of your father, do you think of his love for you? For some of you that's a challenging question, for others it's, it's very simple. Can you recall sacrificial and kind acts of your father, and I'm talking about your, your human father right now. Can you think of things that your dad has done, your father has done, that just absolutely it's like, wow, I, you know, those were really special things, special times that I had with my dad. And here's for those that maybe are struggling on that, because not every father has won the hearts of their children, which is unfortunate, but it happens. So if you have no fond memories of your earthly father, can you look beyond that void and hurt and fill it with the love of God this morning? That's a challenge for some. Finally, if you are a father... Do you purposefully require your children to excel in certain areas? Now, folks, this is the crux of the message this morning. The Heavenly Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, if you will, the Trinity, they're all equal, but yet they have separate parts, if you will, to the Trinity. And the Father is going to be asking His Son, Jesus Christ, to do something that is absolutely off the charts, impossible for any probably any one of us in this room to say oh yeah let's do that it's hard it's the most hard it's beyond the scope of what any father would ever think of asking his son to do but the father the heavenly father asked his son to do this so here's the concept even when sometimes painful for both of you in other words the father and his children can you respond to that How do I respond when Dad asked me to do things that I thought were ridiculously impossible or hard, and the pressure sometimes mounted up to beyond what we thought was reasonable? Have you been there? We're going to examine that this morning. So let's go to a couple of things that God has established in his word of God. There's three main institutions that God established. We're not going to go through them this morning, but I simply want to set the tone for what God has done. In Genesis chapter 9 is the establishment of human government. By the way, human government, and I don't want to get political at all this morning, but I just want to set the tone from a godly perspective. Why did God institute human government? It was to protect you. It was to protect people. The institution of human government came about after the flood when God challenged mankind to do what, of course, (laughs) has political ramifications for today, but actually was to institute capital punishment. And God made it very clear if someone's life is taken, that person's life is to be taken to protect society. That's Genesis 9. Now, I know that's a very controversial subject in today's world, but that was what God did. So if you you, uh, are opposed to the capital punishment uh, and say it's different under today's dispensation, we're not going to argue that point one way or the other this morning, simply stating God instituted human government to protect people. That was his purpose. The second thing that God instituted, if you will, is the church there's multiple passages that God very much made it very clear that the church that we sit in today, God established that we have local churches. And we're not going to go through that because we want to get to the third point today. God established the human family. God created, of course, Adam and Eve, and they began to have children. This is a God-ordained function, if you will, of humanity. God made it very clear that we are to replenish the earth with people. And uh, I think we've done a pretty good job, but maybe not uh, to biblical standards. We see lots and lots of people, 7.3 billion people. That's a lot of people. But that's what God wanted. He wanted the earth to be filled with families. So what are we going to do this morning? we're going to examine three specific aspects of Jesus' heart-wrenching encounter with his Father in the Garden of Gethsemane. Let's go to Mark chapter 14. Let's read the verses and I'll pray. Mark 14, verse 32. Then they, speaking of Jesus, and we'll see who else is with them, then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here, while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. So here Jesus went a little farther and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. Did you catch that? Jesus is having, if you will, he's talking to the Father, and he's praying, Father, please don't make me do this. It's exactly what he's praying. Verse 36. And he said, in the most sweet, kind words that a son can say to his father, basically, even though this is a Greek text, the the word comes from the Hebrew. It's a Hebrew word, and I'll explain that in a minute. And Jesus said, Abba, Abba, Father, sweet, kind words that a son, a Jewish son, would speak to his daddy. Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Dad, please don't make me do this. He's crying out in deep distress, begging the Father, please, I don't want to go through this. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Let's pray. Father, I pray now as we open the only book you've ever given us to read, the precious Word of God, that Father, you'd speak to our hearts this morning. Lord, this is an eye-opening type message. This is one where we looked at the tremendous sacrifice that a father and son had to make in order to literally allow the world to have salvation for those who would trust in Jesus Christ. Father, I pray now that as we open up this text, that, Lord, you'd speak to hearts. There may be someone here this morning that's never trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Might they find him this morning? There may be others who have struggled with their earthly fathers and it has affected their relationship with their Heavenly Father. Might that be rectified and healed this morning? There's others who've had great relationships with their fathers, but yet we've never seen the depth to which The Heavenly Father sacrificed and the Son sacrificed. So, Father, meet the needs of the people this morning. Speak to hearts. Revive the saved and save the lost. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Let's go back to Mark chapter 14 and verse 32. So they come to a place which was named Gethsemane. Now folks, Gethsemane is known as the olive press. That's exactly what the word means in the original language. It's the olive press. When you go to Israel, and again, I've had the privilege of being there multiple times, and you go to the Garden of Gethsemane, there's still olive trees there. Some of the olive trees are as much as 1,000 years old. They're big, giant, old olive trees, and they've been there, if you will, for centuries. So if you take a look at our picture, This is, um, I'm standing on top of the Mount of Olives, looking down into the Kidron Valley, and then up where you see the big wall is the Temple Mount, if you're not familiar with this particular area. Now the Garden of Gethsemane, if you look off to the right side of the screen where you see some trees, that's pretty much where the Garden of Gethsemane is, and we'll show you one more picture of, of the Garden. Now when you think of a garden, many of you think of beautiful flowers and uh, all that type of thing that we might enjoy here uh, in Wisconsin. Or you go to the domes when they're open and you, you know what a beautiful garden looks like or some other places around the, the world. The garden here is not quite that uh, type of garden. It's a place. It's a meeting place. It's a beautiful place with olive trees, simple things. Israel does not have the type of flowers that me and you enjoy because of the climate. there. very, very hot. Uh, things just can't survive. So Jesus is going to the garden and he's going to be there. He's going to be praying. And we're going to see what happens in this narrative as Jesus progresses. So here's a look into the garden, if you will. Again, these are olive trees. Gethsemane means, as we stated, the olive press. Now, why is this symbolically important? Because the Lord Jesus Christ is going into a place where he is going to be pressed beyond measure. He is going to have an encounter in his prayer time with his Father. And he is going to be pressed. If you remember, and we don't won't go through the whole scenario today, but if you recall, when Jesus is there, he's praying, and the Bible says that he's praying as great sweat is coming down his face as if there is blood coming out. There is a condition that can happen medically, whereby the capillaries literally, you're so intense and you're so... Uh, 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 Moved and the emotions are so high that the blood literally comes out of the capillaries that break and it actually looks like you're sweating blood. I believe that's exactly what the Bible's talking about. The Lord Jesus is so moved, he's so upset, he's so distressed as the Word of God tells us that he is there and he's, he he just, it's beyond what any of us can imagine having gone through and I'll explain that in just a moment. The pain is horrific. He realizes what is about to happen. It's just in a few hours that he's going to be arrested and he's going to be carted away. And if you were here with us a few months ago during Easter time when I did multiple lessons on the crucifixion of Christ, he would go through multiple trials where he would be accused falsely. He would be eventually sentenced to death. He would be slaughtered on the cross. But he knew it had to happen. And he's seeing these things in the Garden of Gethsemane as he's communing with his dad, his father, his heavenly father. And the pain and the anguish and the distress, and even if you want, the depression that he's facing at this moment is literally overwhelming to the Lord Jesus. So God said, I have a specific place for you to meet with me, which was, as he had said, I often met with the Father to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. Then Jesus gives his disciples a specific command. And he said to his disciples, would you sit here, guys, while I pray? Folks, have you ever been in a spot where you needed some friends around? Maybe it was mom and dad. Maybe it was someone at school. Maybe it was someone else. And it was, I just don't want to be alone right now. I can't be alone. I need some help. I need, I need some companionship. I need somebody to, to be here with me. And Jesus takes three of his disciples and he he walks with them into this beautiful garden, if you will, the, the olive press. And he says, guys, can, can you just please sit here? I need to pray. And they were used to that. The Bible tells us that they often had gone there to pray and to seek the, the Father's face. But Jesus is in an unusual situation. And he's like, guys, would you please... He's talking to his friends, his disciples. And he's like, gentlemen, please, would you just, would you, would you sit here? I need to talk to the father right now. They didn't quite understand what was taking place. Well, in verse 33, it says, He or Jesus began to be troubled and deeply distressed. <clears throat> Can you imagine as a son, and you've got to come to Dad with some horrific issue that just took place, or it's about to take place. And there's fear. There's anxiety. You're scared. It's like, I I can't tell Dad this. I just can't. I can't go to him. This is, it, it's too hard. Have you ever been there? The Lord, I... I I, I, I've got to go talk to my father. I, I've got to do this. I've got to talk to the father. It, it's so distressing. My dad asked me to do something that I, I just don't want to do. And I've got to go to dad and I've got to have a discussion with him because this is so hard. It's so disturbing. It's so moving. I, I really don't want to have this conversation. You been there? And Jesus said, Listen, guys, I've got to do this alone i got to go talk to my father. Would you sit here while I go pray? And Jesus began to be deeply distressed. The concept is, when you get down to the original language, is that he's absolutely beside himself. Folks, we're talking about Jesus, God's son here. We're talking about him who is full human, full God, and his heart is breaking. He's literally in a tremendous distressful state. Why? Because, yes, Jesus Christ is God, but he took on a human form. He is absolutely beside himself, if you will, in grief and anxiety at this point. That's exactly what the words are trying to say. And then he said, then he, Jesus, said to them, verse 34, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Now, folks, he's not being funny here. He's not giving a little euphemism type of thing. He's saying, I am so disturbed. I am. My heart is beating so fast right now, I can barely breathe. I am in such distress, I can't take it. The stress is beyond belief. Why did Jesus Christ feel this horrible pain? Why was he under such suffering at this point? There is an answer. But he tells the guys, please, would you just stay here? Would you watch with me? And Jesus goes to a solitary place. It's like, here's where I want to meet with Dad today. And he walks a little bit further and he goes to this solitary place and he falls down on his face and he begins to cry out to his father. So he walks away from the disciples, he walks away from his friends, he walks away from his comfort. He goes into the most deeply distressing time that Jesus Christ will face while here on earth. Bar one incident. So what takes place? He walks a little bit further. Mark chapter 14 verse 35 says he walks a little bit further and he falls on his face. Folks, Do you understand how what the picture is here? He is so moved. This is our Savior, Jesus Christ, God's Son, so in distress. He walks forward. He is absolutely beside himself because he knows he has to talk to the Father about an issue that he really doesn't want to talk to him about. And he comes forward and he literally falls on his face in a state of grief and anxiety and distress. How am I going to do this? That's exactly what our Savior does. By the way, you know how tough life gets for you sometimes? Do you know how much heartache and pain sometimes you feel? Have you been there? If you're there today, Jesus was there. If you've been there in the past, Jesus was there. If you're going to be there in the future, Jesus was there. And all that pain and all that grief and all that suffering that you sometimes feel, Jesus felt it right here. And he's documenting, this is what I went through when I had to go to my father with the most horrific thing that he's asked me to do. And I don't want to do it. I really don't want to go here. So he falls on the ground. And then Jesus three times will say this same prayer at three different intervals. He comes up to the place. He falls on the ground. He's in deep distress. He's hurting. He's in pain. He's in suffering. He's in agony. And in Mark chapter 14 verse 35 it says, Jesus, he went a little farther. He falls on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. What is he talking about? He knows while he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, Judas is off betraying him. He knows the soldiers are going to be coming. He's God. He knew what was happening. And he is in such distress about what is about to take place that he's in absolute distress. He falls on his face. He's praying. His body is retching. His capillaries are breaking. The blood is coming out with the sweat. And he is in absolute agony. Father, if it's possible, can you make this pass? Dear God, if there's any other way, Dad, Father, if there's any other way for this to take place, if there's any other way to pay for the sins of mankind, if there's any other possibility besides me having to go through what I'm about to go through, please, Father, don't let me go through this. And then begging their dad, he's begging him, he's begging him, please don't let me go through this. How tough has it ever gotten for you? How hard has it ever gotten? Imagine being here. But you know what Jesus was concerned about? Quite frankly, I'm sure he was disturbed about the pain that his human body would go through. But that's not the punchline. He knew he was going to be taken out. He knew he was going to be beaten. He knew about the crown of thorns that was going to be planted on his head. He knew about the uh, going on the cross. He knew about his nails that were going to be stuck through his arms. He knew about the nails that would go through his feet. But that's not what disturbed him, I believe, the most. Let's turn to one other passage, which I don't have on the screen. If you wouldn't mind, go with me to let's go to matthew chapter twenty seven for a moment if you got your Bibles, and let me explain exactly what Jesus was concerned about here. The most catastrophic, horrific thing that was could ever happen to the Lord Jesus is explained to us in matthew chapter twenty seven and verse forty five and forty six. again matthew twenty seven, 46, and about the ninth hour, Jesus is on the cross. He's been on the cross. He's now saying a few of the last sayings, and something horrific is about to happen. This is the exact thing that Jesus was crying out to the Father Please, please, Father, don't make me have to do this. And here's what happened. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, Lama Sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Folks, think about this. Some of you might, and, and it's tough. Where we're going right now is hard. Have you ever felt forsaken by your own human father? Have Have you gotten to the place where my dad left me when I was young. He, he took off. My dad, thank you sir. My dad doesn't love me the way I think he should love me. And, and you feel forsaken by your father. And maybe like Jesus you cry out. Why would my dad do this to me? Why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me here to handle life alone? You been there? Some of you have, and it hurts. And Jesus looked up at his father and he said, Dear God, my father, please don't make me go through this. Please, I don't want to be on that cross and I don't want you to turn your back on me and I don't want to be forsaken by you. That's what he was praying about. I don't want to lose my relationship with you, Father. I don't want you to turn your back on me. Why did God turn his back on his son, Jesus? Because he hated him? No. Because he was mad at him? No. Because he wanted to teach Jesus a lesson? No. Do you know why he went through that agony? Do you know why... He went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he looked up at his father, and they recalled a conversation that they probably had way before we were created. And Adam and Eve were created, and Satan came in and caused sin. Adam and Eve rebelled against what God had told them to do. Don't eat of the forbidden tree. They ate. Satan won. And at that moment, way back in Genesis chapter 3, at the fall of man, right at the beginning of Scripture, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, it tells us the Proto-Evangelion, the beginning gospel, where God said, I've got to provide a way to save our people. I've got to provide a way so that every single person that's that ever going to be born, every single person has a way to overcome the sin that now has entered the world. And he said, Satan, we're going to crush his head eventually. But it's going to cost me my son. And way back, some 6,000 years ago, when that pact was made with the Trinity, and they said Jesus Christ is going to have to come, he's going to have to take on a human form, he's going to have to go to the cross, and he's going to have to suffer. And here's the punchline he's going to have to take every single one of the sins, past, present, and future on his back and fill the entire wrath of his father as every one of our sins is paid for and the heavenly father said to Jesus listen you're going to have to go to that cross son father please if it's possible let this cup pass from me please don't make me do this dad and when you go to that cross every one of the sins of all people past present and future is going to be placed on your back Father, that's a horrible thought. Millions and millions and billions of people, all their sins on my back at that point on the cross. Father, that's more than any, any human could certainly bear. And I'm not even sure that I can go there. The Father says, you got to go there, son. you got to do this. You've got to do it. Or the people have no hope of heaven. You've got to do it. Do you love, we love these people we created. Yeah, they messed up. Yeah, they're sinners, but we want to save them. We want to be able to give them eternal life. And Jesus, it's the only way that we can pay for their sins is you got to go to that cross. And Jesus, when he's on that cross, he cries out to the Father as the Father literally in the the language, if you will, turns his back on his son. And Jesus felt the entire weight of all of our sin upon his back and the Father turning his back back on him. Why father have you forsaken me? And he's feeling the entire weight of the entire world's sin upon his back. He's feeling as dad turns his back on him in his deepest horrible moment of life. And he said Mark 14:36 Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Some years ago, I had no idea what the word really meant in all its truth. The word Abba. I've heard, I've read multiple commentaries. I've seen various things and gone to school, studied the word. Then God put me right in the right place at right the right time when I was in Israel. So I'm in the square right by the Temple Mount. And there's an Orthodox Jewish family that only spoke Hebrew. I'm sure they probably knew English too, but they were speaking Hebrew to each other. And here comes Dad, and he's got a little stroller and his son sitting inside. And Dad's talking to him, and of course we're we're at the Temple Mount, one of the most, well, for the Jewish people, the most sacred place in the world we were at. And Father wanted his son to see the Temple Mount, where the Jewish people are praying for the third temple to be built. And folks, it will be built. You got to come on Sunday nights, we'll tell you how. But he's talking to his son, and all of a sudden his the 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 strollers inches from me, which was kind of surprising because they knew I was not a Jewish person, dressed like a Gentile. They can, you know, I'm not an Orthodox. They usually stay away. But his son is literally, you know, within a foot of me in the stroller. And the little boy starts to yell for his dad. Abba! Abba! And I said, there it is. Abba. Daddy! Daddy! Happy voice. Daddy! Father! Abba! And Jesus looks up at his, if you will, no disrespect meant in the word, His heavenly daddy. He's saying, Abba, my dear father, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Dad, Daddy, I know you can do anything you want to do. Everything is within your power. Everything you can do. There's nobody that can take you, so to speak. You are it. You're the most powerful living God that exists. You are the only living God that exists. And Abba, Father. All things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me, Father. Dear Abba, please don't make me go through this. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. So the earthly father and son, they commune, they talk, they respect each other. There's a love like only a love exists between a father and their child. And daddy's there and he's teaching his son and he's walking with his son and he's teaching him the things to do. And then all of the sudden, the father says, I need you to do this. And the son looks up at his father and he says, Abba, that's too much. I can't do that, father. Dad, it's beyond my capabilities. This is so hard. I, I can't believe you're asking me to do this. And the father looks at his son and he says, buddy, I got, you got to do this. I can't. Maybe the tears start flowing like Jesus' tears started flowing maybe the heart starts beating fast and all of a sudden you're in distress and it's like, Dad, I can't do this. I can't bear this. And Dad says, you've got to do it. You've got to do it. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for me. Take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will. I'm going to do my best to keep my composure. Last night, about 9.30 at night, I get a call. It started out pretty good. And I'll go there so I can get myself together here. And he said, I was watching your... TV program and we have a TV program it's called Prophecy Focus it's on VCY, airs three times a week right now that's Prophecy Focus <laughs> watch the program and he said I just got done watching your program on my phone numbers at the bottom of the screen and this man calls me up I'm in the car, I'm driving home from Columbus Wisconsin where I saw my other daughter last night and he's like, I watched your program. Why would God do that? He starts screaming. He's upset. All of a sudden he breaks out into a horrible sob. Why didn't God save my son? I'm like, oh boy, here comes. He began to tell me one of the most horrific stories I have heard in a while. I was in law enforcement for 30-some years. I've heard every story there is to tell. this man gave his name, and my wife was sitting next to me. She went to the internet and quickly looked it up. And this man is sobbing uncontrollably. Why didn't God stop him? I'm not saying there's no God. I'm not saying I don't believe in God. But why did God allow my son to be murdered? We looked up the story, and he began to tell us about it. And I can't go into details because the trial hasn't even happened yet. But his son wanted to do the right thing, and he invited this individual to dinner at his parents' home for a Thanksgiving meal. Some of you, this may be ringing a bell because it didn't happen too far from here. And they took him, and they fed him, and they treated him with respect and kindness. And their son said, listen, why don't you come to my house? And I don't know all the details that happened, but 18 horrible, horrifying stabs later, his son lay dead. Trying to do the right thing, trying to love people, trying to do what he thought was God's will, and he ended up dead. And daddy is on the phone. Over a year and a half later, talking to me, and he said, I've talked to preachers, I've talked to everybody there is. He's watching Christian television, and he's trying to find an answer. His heart was broken beyond belief. All of a sudden, my pastoral mind starts to kick in, and it's like, you know, I could give him some scripture verses, but that's not what he needs right now. That's what every pastor he's talked to has been giving him. His heart was uncontrollably broken year and a half later, he's sobbing uncontrollably. Why couldn't God stop this? Why couldn't he just change one little thing and save my son? And you know what? That all of a sudden spoke to me, and it's like, why did this happen tonight of all nights, tomorrow's Father's Day? I'm going to be preaching on return the Father's love. And I finally got a visual of the broken-hearted father who lost his son like never before. Uncontrollable grief. Crying for a year and a half, uncontrollably. Burdened inside, beat up inside, trying to find an answer, but there was no answer to be found for him, at least not last night. You see, you're going to work with them? You betcha I am. Because I showed him some compassion and love, and I didn't try and force something down his throat, but showed him love. By the way, that's why we call this the church, God's love is building. Yes, we use scripture. Yes, we preach exegetically. But folks, we've got to show folks love. And this poor man in absolute, undeniable grief, lost his only child, his only son. Strike a bell. I'm like, wow, Lord. I really didn't want to hear that call. But thank you for sending it my way. Folks, do you realize what Jesus did for you? He went to his father and said, Dear God, please, please, dear father, Abba, a Father, take this cup from me. Please, I don't want to go through this. Please, I don't want you to turn your back on me. Please, I don't want to be separated. And the father says, son, you don't know what this is doing to us. You don't understand the pain I'm going to go through. You just don't, and I'm sure they had this back and forth kind of thing, and it's God talking to God, which is a little different, but it's like, yeah, we got to do this. We've got to do this because I love these people. I love them so much that I'm going to go to that cross, Jesus said. And the Father says, you've got to do it, my son. You've got to do it. You've got to go to the cross. You've got to suffer like no person ever suffered. You're going to have to face me turning my back on you as the load of every single sin of the world is going to be placed upon your back and Jesus said oh father Abba father please my dear heavenly father if there's any other way please let this cup pass but I love you dad (laughs) I love you father Abba I love you and I know it's the right thing as much as I don't want to go through this, not my will, but what you will. Apostle John tells us of these wonderful three verses. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, But that he loved us and sent his son to be, and here's a big fancy theological word, to be the propitiation for our sins. What does that mean? It basically means to appease the wrath of God. It means there's 100% payment for your sins. It means basically in, in in a calculatory type thing to balance the books. We're going to clean the books. We're going to make them right. And God said when Jesus Christ came and went to that cross, he made the books right. He appeased the father's wrath. Beloved, if God so loved us, oh my goodness, how much God loves us, we ought also to love one another. Christian, it's Father's Day. There's not a single father in this room that would sacrifice his child. Not a one. But God did. God the Father took his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, and said, you've got to go to that cross, my son. You're going to have to die. You're going to have to suffer. Yes, you're going to be buried. The good news is he raised him up three days later. Amen? He raised him up. And he said, Jesus, <laughs> we went through a really bad time there. But thank God that we did. Because now every single person, every single person in this room right now, that will trust in Jesus Christ trust in the finished work on that cross can go to heaven when they pass do you love your father I trust you do if you're here and your father wasn't somebody that you just couldn't figure out how to love him, I feel bad for you I really do but folks you can't forsake what the heavenly father does that he loves you He cares about you. If you're here this morning and you're a Christian, you've trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, it's Father's Day. Let's rejoice in the Heavenly Father. Your Father right here on earth today. So representative, why did God choose to be called the Father? Because he uses the family as a discussion about who we are with each other. Love your dads. Even if they're not perfect, which we're not, would you love him? Would you care about him? Would you support him? Would you give him a good kiss when uh, you're in the car? Give up that six-foot social distancing for a couple minutes. <laughs> give dad a good hug and a kiss today. Tell him you love him. Call him on the phone if he's not here. If you're struggling with your dad, make it right. Call him up. For those that have lost their dads, it's a tough day. It is, and there's folks here. Many of us, our fathers are, are gone. Mine is in heaven, thank God. He trusted Christ. Think about your dad. Treat him good. Finally, if you're here this morning, how can we have this type of a message and not talk about very quickly the gospel? What's the gospel? The gospel is this, that Jesus Christ, God's son, just like we talked about for the last 40 minutes or so, he went to that cross. Why did he go to the cross to pay for all of our sins? You say, well, I don't get it because I've been told all my life that I'm to work to get to heaven, that I'm supposed to try the hardest I can do. I, I get it that Jesus went to the cross, but it's, it's really what I do, right? It's, it's everything that I do that's going to really get me to heaven. Absolutely not. It's not true. Folks, Jesus Christ, God's Son, as we just saw, went through agony. He went through seeing his Father turn his back on him. Why? because he paid your price for your sin. He is the propitiation for our sins. He is the one who has appeased the wrath of God through his death. You say, what must I do to get to heaven? Very simple. Are you ready? One minute, we're done. The Word of God says, as I say almost every single Sunday, it's the two best, most powerful verses, I think, when it comes to knowing for sure if you die, you go to heaven. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace, God's free unmerited gift, are you saved? It's through faith. And I'm quoting the verses. It is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any person should boast. What's it saying? It's saying, folks, Jesus Christ, God's Son, suffered like no person ever suffered before. How is that possible? Because he took all the sins on us. No other person in the world has ever done that. All the sins of mankind, humankind, are put on his back. The Father turns his back on the Son. Jesus rises again three days later, and he says, if you, God, looks at us, and he says, "Here's, here's my son's death, burial, and resurrection. It's a gift. Will you trust Jesus today? Folks, there's people in this room right now, and I don't know who it is. Right now, there's somebody needs to trust Jesus this moment. If you walk out of this room without Jesus, you're making a horrible, horrible mistake. Why did Jesus die for you? Every head bowed, please. Every eye closed. Father, we come to you now after this soul-stirring message, heart-wrenching message about what you and your son did to provide eternal life for us. A story, an account like no other in the world when Jesus went to that cross and literally you had to turn your back upon the sins that you laid upon him and Jesus literally felt forsaken. Father, would you help us to love people like you loved your son enough to give his life so that we in turn could love others? Lord, help us to do that. Help us to love our dads. Help us to be respectful to them. Help us, even if they're not perfect, which none of us are. Help us to love Dad. Help us to forgive him for things they've done wrong. And then, Father, I want to close. There's someone here right now, maybe more than one person, that needs to trust Jesus right this moment, right this Sunday morning. If you're here this morning, you say, Brother Rich. You're absolutely right. If I died right now, I'm not 100% sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. But I want to be sure before I walk out of this room today. Every head bowed, every eye closed, please. If you're here this morning, you say, Brother Rich, I'm not sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. But I'd sure like to know that. Would you just raise your hand up so I can pray for you? I promise I won't embarrass you. Anyone here this morning, I'm not sure I'm going to heaven when I die. So raise it up high. I'll be happy to pray for you. Again, I'm not going to embarrass anybody. God bless you. Thank you. Anyone else, I'm here this morning. If I died right now, I'm not sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. Father, I pray for this one and maybe others that couldn't raise their hand, that at this very moment, they'd realize they're a sinner. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. The Bible tells us that if we got what we deserved in Romans 6.23, that every single one of us would have to pay eternity eternal punishment in hell but father the good news is that jesus christ god's son came down from heaven died on the cross for our sins in romans 5 8 you said that god demonstrated his love for us in this and that while we were yet sinners christ died for us do you believe you're a sinner say brother rich yes do you understand that because you sins, you don't deserve to go to heaven i do do you understand that Jesus Christ, God's Son, came down from heaven, went to the cross, died, and three days later rose again from the dead? You said, I do. In fact, I've understood that for years. Well, here's the final piece, and this is where you find assurance of your salvation. Would you stop trying to earn heaven on your own because you can't? And as the Word of God says, take his free gift. He's offering it to you right there. How do you take the free gift? Just tell him, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. And I know because I've sinned, I don't deserve to go to heaven. But this Sunday morning, this very moment, I'm taking the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross through his death, burial, and resurrection. And I'm taking that free gift this very moment. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Would you put your faith right there? The prayer is not what will save you. It's your faith right now that you place in Jesus, which will take you to heaven. Would you do that right now? Would you just tell them in your own words and trust him as your Savior? Father, seal decisions this morning. Thank you for the precious word of God. Thank you for sharing these wonderful, wonderful things in this blessed book. And we would the praise you, the honor, and the glory for all you're going to do this morning as we close in Jesus' name. Amen.